0: Welcome to PR 360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on GlobalResultsPR.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dice. If you could please subscribe to PR360 on all your favorite podcasting host- hosting sites and leave a five-star review as well. And please subscribe to the YouTube page as well. But with me, I have Dan with me, and he has a 15-year marketing career spanning both agency and client side with me. And he's also been working a lot about social media which is what we're going to be talking about today because everybody needs to know about social media it's the thing that we live and die by i guess sometimes but hey we're glad for dan to be on the show so welcome to the show dan
1: thanks so much Brett. it's great to be here
0: and my first question is all my guests are you a coffee or tea drinker
1: uh definitely coffee i i can't start my day without some sort of espresso drink that i'll make at home um But uh, I only recently uh, realized, actually, that I like regular coffee. I I was uh, not a fan for a long time, and tea doesn't do it for me either, so espresso drinks all the way
0: ah so you're basically like strict espresso or drip coffee as well um I,
1: i'll i'll do some drip coffee but it's mostly like cappuccinos lattes and and uh I, I don't you know last weekend i i realized that what i thought was a macchiato isn't really a macchiato <laughs> so apparently what starbucks will give you is is not a real macchiato so i learned that the hard way <laughs> no
0: for those out there yes macchiatos are about a three ounce cup it's about this big and it's really really small. I, I was a barista so yeah. I know what an actual macchiato mm. is. So for those of you know, Starbucks does not actually make a macchiato. It's basically just another latte.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not complaining though. I love them. <laughs>
0: fair enough. But I gave a brief summary of your expertise. Can you give us or give our audience a little bit more about what you do?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I as you mentioned, I started in in marketing a good 15 or so years ago. And I started on the agency side. I was working. I'm New York based, so I've been working for a number of New York agencies uh, on in a variety of marketing disciplines. I, I started off in direct mail, uh, sending direct mail to AARP recipients. So that was a lot of fun, uh, especially uh, right out of school. And uh, I've, I've done display marketing and event marketing. And it wasn't until my last agency, 360i, when I really just stumbled into social media marketing and everything seemed to click. It's, it's almost like everything that I had been doing before that was was testing me out in a way, or, or I was testing different variations of marketing. But it, uh, I realized that social media marketing was really the thing that helps me to merge both sides of my brain in a way that that really Felt impactful to me. So uh, when I was at 360i, I I was working on a variety of uh, mostly NBC Universal brands with an emphasis on USA Network. Uh, Entertainment is a personal passion of mine and TV. So it's something that, uh, with the exception of a detour here and there, is I've been pretty much doing ever since. And uh, I'm currently now, uh, as of a few weeks ago, actually, I just started at Paramount. I'm working at Paramount Plus as senior director of social strategy, uh, working or will be working with the uh, various international regions as they launch uh, Paramount Plus to help them with their organic social. So my my specialization in a nutshell is entertainment, uh, social media marketing, and community building.
0: Gotcha. And then
1: for PR pros
0: that may have not kept up with social media, what can you tell them about the current state of social media right now?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's a really funny question because the first thing I would always say is that the current state is never current for very long. <laughs> so that's one thing that we know for sure in social media uh, is that it's, it's constantly changing and it, we talk about it as a 24 seven business and that's very much true. There's always uh, platform updates and trends and news items uh, to keep track of. And that alone takes a lot of work. Uh, but beyond that, and th- this is current, but it's also recent past, is a reminder that video is king. Um, regardless of what platform you're on, pretty much, it's, it's, it's very video centric. Uh, Instagram, I think, was mo- most recently the platform that shifted in that direction. And, uh, but it's not just a uh, video for video sake, it's, it's important to build for each platform. So I, I would always remind people of that. I've definitely been in situations where, uh, you know, a trailer might be cut, or there's some sort of video produced for a website or broadcast TV that is given to us as the social media managers. And we're told basically slap it on Facebook and call it a day. Uh, we know that that doesn't work. That's uh, a lot of people I'm sure who are listening, who work in social are, I have that experience. That's a very common experience to have. But in social, it's super important to build specifically for the platform and preferably to use the native tools that the platform offers also. Uh, that algorithmic, algorithmically will help you.
0: Gotcha. And then, I mean, what have you learned from creating? I fans of like Psych and Burn Notice. Yes, I actually am a psycho. If people don't know, that's the... I not yeah. fans of this TV show Psych. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. So so I I worked on Psych and Burn Notice and Suits for a bit and and some other shows. I wish I could take credit for building those fandoms. Uh, the the reality is I came on as the social media manager for those shows, uh, particularly Psych and Burn Notice during their final seasons. So, I had not full confession, I had not watched a single episode of either show before I took on that challenge. So, I, it was like a it was like a kid in a candy store. Uh, you don't see it that much at all these days. Where you're working on a brand that has a super active and vocal following, it's very hard these days, as probably most most people know, to uh, to get that organic reach and engagement. Back in those days, in the like 2012, 2013, it was a little bit easier, and you had these fandoms that were so vocal. One thing I learned working with them was the importance of really immersing yourself in the brand and knowing the brand very well. You might appreciate, Brett, that I was live tweeting an episode of Psych once. Uh, It was final season episode and Felicia Rashad made her appearance. I tweeted, uh, hey, psychos, let's welcome Felicia Rashad to the Psych family. And that was such a big faux pas. I did not know that she was a recurring character on the show that was the first and only appearance she made during that season. So the client uh, emailed me within a minute or so, basically screaming, take it down, take it down. And it was only up for a couple minutes, but in those couple minutes, there were already a couple comments from people saying, what are you talking about? She's been a part of this family. So, uh, when you're working on a, an active fandom, it's super important to really fully immerse yourself and, and, and preferably be a fan yourself. Um, I can say that along the latter part of what I was just saying, the very first show I ever worked on was a reality show for E! Uh, called Chasing the Saturdays. It was about this British uh, singing group that was known and established in the UK, but unknown in the US. And the the concept of the show was they were trying to break into the US market, so they are out in LA recording their first American album. And I was really fortunate that I had a few months To really get to know this band, uh, not meet them personally, but get to know their music and what each individual member was about before the show premiered. So by the time it premiered, I was so fully immersed in their world that I was able to communicate as a fan to now fellow fans. And that made a huge difference.
0: Gotcha. I mean, that even goes to another question. I'm like how does someone actually do what you do going into something so popular and trying to keep it all together? Cause I mean, you made one faux pas and I'm pretty sure a lot of PR pros going into like brands are like, okay, I don't know what's going on. And I'm trying to like grab everything I can around this. So how do you keep it all, I guess, all sane for yourself?
1: It's, uh, uh, you know it's it's funny i was right before this i was listening to uh, uh, another uh, episode of this podcast and and you had a pr professional on who said that it's pr not er and i would kind of treat it the same way you know social media i had i had a uh, a manager once who was referring to some kind of social media emergency and i thought that was um Almost a, a ridiculous way of looking at things. Uh, we we take our jobs very very seriously, but at the end of the day, we're we're not saving lives uh, for the most part with the work that we're doing. So just keeping that perspective, I think, is always important. Um, but at the same time, it's not something that you want to take too lightly. You you really want to understand the audience. It's the first rule of any marketing discipline: is know your audience, uh, know what makes them tick, uh, know their demographics, their psychographics, and understand where where they're at. And hopefully you can meet them there. And once you're able to, it's in theory, should be a little bit more smooth sailing.
0: Gotcha. And then how can PR pros actually create that enthusiasm in their brand? Because like I said, with Psych and Burn Notice, there was a lot of enthusiasm. And there still is with Psych. I think the recent third movie came out what last year or something like that. And there's still a lot of excitement around it. So how do you cr- keep creating that?
1: too. Yeah, that, that's not easy to do. Um, with Psych and Burn Otis, they these are shows that have extremely well-established social voices. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot about social voice or social tone of voice. It's something that every brand wants, but not every brand has been able to master. And it does take a lot of time to identify what that voice or that persona is for the brand. Uh, at the end of the day, people don't want to engage with cold, faceless um, corporate entities, they want to engage with a human being, and they don't really want to be sold to either. You know, when you're talking with your friend, your friend probably isn't trying to sell you things uh, in the midst of your conversation. Same thing with a brand. Uh, it shouldn't be, you know, you can't get rid of those posts that say tune in or buy now or, or whatnot, but that should not be the, the the crux of everything that you're posting. It's, it's really about community building. Um, when you think about yourself in terms of social voice, it's it's super important, I think, to view yourself as the brand, as a human being, and ask yourself questions like, if I were a human, what objects would I carry around with myself? Uh, which uh, Which hobbies would I have? If I were in high school, which superlative would I win? I'd be voted most likely to what? You ask these sorts of questions. And when you involve the right people and think through it that way, you start to identify this very clear persona of who the brand is. And you can start speaking as that brand. And that's where that authenticity and that human side comes out. And that's what people want to embrace and feel connected to. Uh, it's also important i think just to to take interest in your fans again knowing who they are and making sure that you're giving as much as you're taking it's an, it's not just about posting and calling it a day there's also this other side of social that a lot of brands aren't very good at and that's what i once heard referred to as being a good social citizen uh, which is basically acting as a human being on the platform so thinking about how humans engage they they scroll through their their feeds Brands can do that too. You can look for conversations and engage without those people having to come to you first, but you have to do it in a way that feels authentic to you. No one wants you to butt into a conversation where you don't belong because it can feel very disingenuous. And, and that's where there is a line to straddle, but it's important to seek those conversations out.
0: So it's almost like within the brand guidelines, we should start creating like a social voice, for the brand. So if new people come on, or if people forget what the social voice is, at least they can come back and be like, oh, yeah, that's what it's all about. So people don't get confused about it, because pretty sure it can get confusing when you're coming in new, or you've been on vacation for a while, and you just brain farted or whatever. Is that something that should happen now?
1: Absolutely. You know, something we did at 360i that I've, I've implemented in, in uh, succeeding jobs is essentially a one sheet. So basically, you would go through the social voice exercise. Uh, and by the way, I, I, I don't call it social tone of voice anymore. It's uh, Sometimes I still will, and most people do. But I've, I've come to recognize the difference between voice and tone, your voice being how you sound, how you come across, and the tone is how you flex that voice depending on what platform you're on, who you're speaking to. Um, there is flexibility there. Um, but this one sheet ultimately paints the portrait of your persona. And that's what I do now. So after a couple rounds of this exercise that I would do, it would result in this final one sheet that explains who the persona is written on in the first person from their behalf. And it would include things like guardrails and adjectives. We are this, but we're not that. And it's just a, it's a single sheeter. So anyone can pick it up and l- read it and get a sense of who this person, meaning the brand, is. So the theory is you should be able to pick it up and maybe not nail the voice right away, but at least it'll, it'll bring you closer to that.
0: Mm-hmm. And even with that, how can... Or is there any tips that you have for creating that authentic, basically, engagement with the customers or potential customers or fans, because I know that you said like do some engagement or do some commenting back, but is there any other tips besides that too?
1: Yeah. You know, there's, there's so many bells and whistles in social. There's a lot of products that you could play with, but I think it's always important and that's great. But I also think it's important to just go back to the basics sometimes and understand what really drives people and and what their basic needs are. Uh, Some, a lot of folks just want to be heard frankly, especially these days, it's a very polarizing time and everyone has opinions about everything and they're looking for a venue to share those opinions. So simply asking questions is a great way to get that sort of engagement. Um, so for example, if you're a TV show, you can post a question that says, what's your favorite episode? What's your favorite moment from last season? Who are your favorite characters? Um, th- this is not innovative. you know. This is something that, that brands and people do all the time. But I would never underestimate the power of it. Uh, a lot of people would just call them question cards. I call them conversation cards because the whole point is that graphic or that video, whatever it may be, is meant to be a starting off point for hopefully a conversation so you can have a one-on-one interaction with your fans. Social is one of the few, if not the only, uh, marketing discipline, where you can actually speak to the fans, have them speak back, and have that conversation. So, if someone were to answer that question of who their favorite character is, you might want to reply back and and have a little bit of an, an exchange. Um, it takes a little bit more uh, a little bit more uh, time and commitment to do that, but it's it's so worth it at the end of the day because it helps them to feel more closely connected to you. They feel like they're being heard. And also it benefits you because now you know something, uh, some deeper information perhaps about your audience. And you can use that information to optimize your content moving forward to ensure that what you're providing in the future is meeting your fans where where they want to be met.
0: Gotcha. And then, I mean, for the content-wise, what should PR pros be focusing on for content in 2022? Should it still be that video, short, Or vertical and horizontal video? Should there be some just audio only type of content? Like what should it be?
1: Video in in 2022 continues to be king. Like I said, that uh, Instagram just, what was it, maybe a month ago, uh, maybe two months ago announced that they were shifting in that direction. So it still continues to be huge. And and I don't think that's going anywhere. Uh, What I think we're going to be seeing moving forward is is different presentations of video. Uh, You know, we've, it used to be just 16 by nine, and then it kind of merged into one by one. Now it's nine by 16, depending on the format. Um, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of different tools that uh, that platforms like TikTok or, or Instagram will give you with Reels, interactive tools, green screens, um, sound effects, music, things like that to play with. Um, but I w- what I would say in terms of content that, that folks should be really focused on, it, it depends on, on your brand and your audience. Um, I, I worked for a brand once where all the best practices that we know in this industry did not work for that brand. The things that were supposed to work didn't and vice versa. So in that role, I really had to really rethink things and, and get to know who this audience is. So it's, it's excellent to have best practices. You need those. And they're an excellent foundation and starting point. But don't be afraid to experiment. That's what, what's one of the great things about social you can experiment with a lot of different types of content, a lot of different formats. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to disappear at some point. Uh, most content doesn't have a long tail unless you're talking about Pinterest or, or YouTube to some extent, um, but, uh, but experiment and uh, but start with video, I would say, and, and play around there, making sure that what you're doing is, again, feeling very authentic and, and not to it doesn't have to be high gloss. Uh, I think a lot of people get intimidated at the thought of video that they need a whole production crew and uh, professional editing software. It's all right there on your phone. And uh, it doesn't need to be more than that. Your content will look like your fans' content. And again, that's how you appear as a as a human being to them. Mm,
0: so, I mean, for tips for them to, for PR pros to get into video if they haven't already is to, I guess, look at their own fans' video and try to emulate them in some way. Is that...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah to some extent. I, I would say always start with strategy and, and figure out what your goal is. You know, with anything marketing related, it always starts with a goal. And... And, and yeah, do some social listening. You know, you can find your fans. You can find Facebook groups where your prospective fans may be hanging out. Take a look at the content that they're sharing in those groups, whether it's video or not. That will give you some really great cues into the sorts of things that you might want to experiment with.
0: Gotcha. And then what? Do, uh, how do you fit social audio into the content strategy? I know it's kind of like the new thing right now for a certain amount of time. I don't know how long it's going to stay, but at least Twitter's finding some type of success with it. I heard LinkedIn still trying to do it. And I think Facebook just kind of completely just got rid of it. They're like, Nope, we're done.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think they got rid of it completely. They've, they've merged it with, with uh Facebook live, uh, live audio. I, I kind of equate to, uh, live streaming video. Uh, you know, when was it? 2012, 2013, whenever it was when Meerkat and, and Periscope first emerged. I think it was South by Southwest. Meerkat came out and it was the hot new product. And and they were doing this thing called live uh, so, uh, live video streaming. And everyone wanted to jump on that bandwagon. And they all did. It's it's to this day pretty much available on all the major platforms. Um, but it got to a point where it started to really plateau. And those, origi- those originators, uh, Meerkat, Periscope, just kind of fell by the wayside and, and are really no longer around. Um, it's uh, That's something that's not going away, but it's no longer the it thing anymore. It's just kind of sitting there in the background. And that's kind of what I'm seeing with live audio also. Uh, Clubhouse was the Americat or the Periscope of, of live audio, and it's still around, but they are definitely on the decline at the moment. And we're seeing uh, Twitter, for example, they have Spaces, uh, which... Uh, is, is a great product, but even behind the scenes, Twitter is pulling staff a- away from, from spaces. Uh, Facebook, as I mentioned, merged their live audio rooms with Facebook Live. So there seems to be a little bit less of an emphasis on live audio these days. Um, during the, uh, the last few years where people were on lockdown and, and really uh, hankering for personal connection, wanting to hear people's voices, that's when this really exploded. And now that things are opening up, and have been opened up now for a bit. Uh, it, it almost seems like live audio is is of less interest, but I don't think it's going to go away for uh, for good. I, I think there's incredible applications for it. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn; there, I think it's currently in beta, uh, or at the very least, only content creators are allowed to use their live audio events. But when I first heard live audio, I thought this is like being at a conference, and I love that idea. You know, you have a person or a panel on a virtual stage, and you have dozens or hundreds of people listening, and you can raise your hand, ask a question, perhaps it will be answered. And it just feels like that conference experience. So when it comes to making that experience accessible for more people, I can see LinkedIn kind of leaning in that direction. So they seem to be the platform that's that's really building up their audio tools right now, whereas everybody else is either investing less in them or just kind of letting them stay relatively flat um, i'm i I love the idea of live audio, but if I'm honest, I personally don't really consume a whole lot of it myself. Um, and I think that's, uh, something that you would see with a lot of folks, but, but it's, I don't think it's going away. I think we're going to find new applications for it.
0: Gotcha. I mean, that leads into my next question. What is next for social media? I mean, we said in the top that it's always changing. So what is next? Is it about YouTube and podcasting, which is their new big thing? What's next for social media?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, po- podcasting is is an interesting one. Facebook just uh, kind of discontinued its own podcasting uh, product, uh, didn't really give it a, much of a shot. Uh, but podcasting is still super important, of course, and and extremely popular. So I'm very curious to see how other platforms uh, may or may not embrace it. Uh, aside from that, uh, I, I think everyone's probably tired of hearing about the metaverse and and all of that. I, I heard someone once refer to. VR and AR not as the metaverse, but as an entry point to it. And I thought that was a smart way of looking at it because no one really knows what it is. Um, but in terms of beyond that, what's next, I, I think we're starting to see some of it, and we're probably going to see a lot more, is platforms releasing um, or platforms recognizing the need of controls to help people, users with their mental health and safety. Um, we're we've been seeing a lot more of that lately. Uh TikTok, uh, I think it was just recently announced, uh, their screen time controls. Instagram and Snapchat are implementing parental controls. Uh Meta, of course, is always under the microscope with this, particularly with younger users. Uh, but over these last couple of years, especially, uh, with the polarization of the world, with everything that's going on that's so negative, uh, it's it's hard to maintain a, a level head these days, so, and people spend increasingly more time on social media. So I can see a lot more of these sort of tactics to help uh, uh, mitigate any horrible long term effects. Of course, we don't know if any of these things are going to work I, I haven't seen any proof of it yet and i don't know if that will be made available anytime soon but i i do appreciate that more platforms are starting to take mental health more seriously
0: gotcha and then fun question for you what what social network do you love to use the most for, personally
1: i uh, i i'm on most of them i mine is probably probably not the most obvious answer i really like linkedin i i think it's a really smart platform uh, they're playing around with a lot of new tools and products and functionality, but beyond that, it's a very, from my experience, it's a very positive platform, and which makes sense. You know, people are on there generally to to network and they want to put their best foot forward. There's going to be probably less griping and and fake news and and all of that, um, but it's also more substantive as well. People are sharing their thought leadership. I've learned a lot on LinkedIn. Um, I got my current job through LinkedIn and I don't work for LinkedIn. So, but, but I, I will sing their praises cause I think it's a really great platform. Um, beyond that, some of the others, I, I still am a regular user of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but my use of them has evolved over time. I'm, I'm, I, I will still post, uh, occasionally, but I'm more creeping than anything else. Just engaging with other people's content, um, which, uh, is, is a popular pastime. I, I saw a number recently, uh, Regarding TikTok, I think it was something like 85% of all TikTok users never post anything on the platform. They're they're just there consuming other people's content, uh, which I found fascinating and yet not surprising at the same time.
0: Gotcha. Any final thoughts for listeners?
1: Yeah, I, I've been spending the the last few years really focusing on accessible social media. And, and I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it here. Um, I won't go into a whole spiel, but it's just important to note that a quarter of the American adult population has a disability. Uh, many are blind or have low vision or, or deaf or hard of he- hearing or are deafblind. And so it's important to always think about how your content is being consumed by this audience. Um, it's It's a quarter of your audience, so it can't be ignored. Um, different platforms are implementing new uh, functionality now, which is really exciting, like auto captions on videos. Alt text has been around for a long time, but there's a lot of other things that can be done. And the one thing I always tell people is use camel case hashtags. It's super simple, takes no additional effort. Uh, Basically, if you have a hashtag that has multiple words in it, just capitalize the first first letter of each word. It just makes it so much more legible, not just for people with disabilities, but for all people. And uh, that's just a starting point. There's so many other things you can do. I would encourage folks to check out AccessibleSocial.com. It's Accessible-Social.com. I am not in any way tied to it. I've only recently discovered this site myself, but there are some excellent, excellent resources and tips on there. So please check that out and and make sure your content is is open and accessible for all people.
0: Well, thank you, Dan, for joining PR 360 and sharing your knowledge about social media. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to PR 360. As always, please subscribe to PR 360 on your favorite podcasting site. Leave a five-star review if you like this episode and subscribe to the YouTube page and join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe, get to understanding about all the different types of accessibility tech for your content and social media, and see you next week. Later.